The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Well, how's your soul today? Well. Shaken and and stirred but well we serve a pretty incredible god i think i would love for you to open your bible to 1 Thessalonians um, 5:18 today i'm john and i'm one of the pastors here at Westway Christian Church and last week we shared reintroduced um, showed you a tool that we have been uh, using here at Westway for quite a while and not really, not really talking a lot about. So we kind of used that tool during our message time to help you understand how to use it. And we're gonna do it again. We're gonna do it again today because it's something that we really believe in. We, wanted, we want you to read your Bibles. And... I have a love-hate relationship with an electronic Bible. There are lots of things I really like about it. One of the things I really like about it is is the easy access because I always have my phone with me. I always have my Bible with me because I always have my tablet with me. I always have my Bible with me. And at the same time, I'm torn because I really like paper. I really like a book. Joe was sharing with me, um, he, he was reading something several months ago, and he was sharing with me about the difference between electronic reading and, and paper reading. And, and in this book that he was reading to me, these con- this content he was sharing, he said, one of the things about reading in, in a thing like this is helping to memorize, you know where things are on a page. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but when he, when, as soon as he said that to me, I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. So my love-hate relationship with electronic things um, is oftentimes it can be a distraction, but it is a tool. So helping to remember, uh, keeping a proper orientation that, that it's just a tool. And whether you read your Bible in a, in a, in a book form or whether you read it electronically, our desire for you is just that you would read scripture. So this is a tool, and it, it's the YouVersion app. Um, this will be on the screen. I know a lot of people downloaded this app over the week. Um, we've gotten some questions about how to use it, and it's in the bottom of the screen there. It just says Holy Bible with the little red uh, tab. And if you hit the word more in the bottom right, you will see um, more things will come up, and I actually have it set. Uh, but if you go to events over here, you can scroll down. You'll see Westway Christian Church, and then you'll pull up our event. And we've done this because we want to equip you. We're going to give you a tool. And we've put lots of things into this piece. If you don't want if you, if you to, if you want an easy way for us to pray with you, right there, it says, we'd love to pray with you. There's a link. You can click on that and then we can pray with you. Have a little bit of a summary and then all the texts that we're gonna look, look at today. Uh, a couple things I want to remind you of. Last week, we handed these 
Psalm 136 sheets out, and we would love for you to fill one of these out and complete it and bring it back so we can hang it in our lobby. So we can see what we should be thankful for. Because if you remember from last week, it's easy for us to forget what we ought to be thankful for. This kind of a thing is is simply a reminder. This is a great thing for you to do, parents, with your kids or your grandkids. To help them interact with scripture. To help them know and have a proper orientation that, that we are called to lives of thankfulness. As, as Joe mentioned, we're collecting winter clothing uh, for different teachers in our school district. And we would love for you uh, to, to participate in that. And there'll be a few other things that we'll talk about in here. So right now, we're just going to read from 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We're just going to read the very first part. And this will be on the screen 518a, be thankful in all circumstances. So we're just going to talk about that right now. Be thankful in all circumstances. Last week when I, when I told you that we weren't supposed to be, or when Paul told us to be anxious about nothing, people laughed as if that were an impossibility. Well, I think this is a very similar statement. Be thankful in all circumstances. I did a little bit of Greek research on this, and that's actually one word, it's not two. It's a verb. It says, give thanks. One word. This is who we are. Thankfulness is not something that we just do once a year on Thanksgiving Thursday. Being thankful is who we are, it's a characteristic, it's an orientation as believers that we are to follow. It's a defining characteristic. A little bit other things said that it was like, it was something that you would say or do if you were receiving a meal. So I want you to think about that in light of being thankful in all circumstances. There have been some meals that I've been thankful for and then I ate them and they weren't very good. Have you had that experience? This past Thursday, in fact, um, I made a sweet potato cake. We get these two magazines, Bon Appetit and, and Good Housekeeping. And as soon as they come, actually, there's the Food Network. So Bon Appetit and the Food Network. And the very first thing we do when we get those recipes is we break out a little pad of, um, of Post-it notes. And we go through the entire magazine and we mark out all of the recipes that we want to make. And that sweet potato, I got to tell you, that sweet potato cake, that was the very first thing on the list. It was on the cover of the magazine, in fact. And as as some of our bakers in our congregation shared with me, um, I overcooked it. I didn't mix it long enough and all sorts of different things. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. But I still gave thanks for it. See, when we give thanks in the way that God is calling us to, that, that God through Paul is calling us to. We're going to give thanks in all circumstances because sometimes the meals we eat aren't as good as we hoped they would be. Sometimes, and this may be a shock to you, sometimes life doesn't go the way you think it will. And yet, we're called to be thankful. Have you noticed 
that when you pray, that, that being thankful, you, you thank God before you eat the meal? Have you ever thought about that? Haven't even tasted it yet. What are you thankful for? You're thankful for God's provision. You're thankful that you have something. And I wonder, I wonder how your 2020 might have gone if at the beginning of the year, instead of telling God all of the things that he was going to do, I wonder how it would have gone for you if you had been thankful before that. In all circumstances, Paul says, there's no asterisk there. In everything, we are to be thankful in all circumstances. Good, bad, all circumstances. Well, who is Paul to tell us that? What, what kind of life did Paul have that he would, that he would dare 2,000 years ago to tell us to be thankful in all circumstances? One of the texts that I love in thinking about Paul's life is found in 2 Corinthians, and this will be up on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 28. I just wanna read, read this to you. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. So Clement of Rome said that Paul was in prison seven times in his life. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Why 39? Because Deuteronomy 25 verses one to three says 40 is too many. So I don't know why 39 is the right number. But according to the Bible, 40 lashes was too many. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift in the sea. See, we can read about all of these things. One of these things that, one of the things I would encourage you to do, and I've, I've done this before, is when you read the Bible, you should go back and read the backstory. One of those times Paul was beaten with rods was in Philippi. We can read about that in Acts chapter 16. One of the times or the time he was stoned that he's speaking about here is when he was in Lystra. That's in Acts 14. Three times he was shipwrecked and this is before the events of Acts 27. Imagine being shipwrecked four times in your life. At what point would you give up? Verse 26, I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I face danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I face danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I face danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Think about Paul's life. 
This is the guy who tells us to be thankful in all circumstances. Those are some pretty difficult circumstances, aren't they? Although it's not a competition, my guess is none of us have faced circumstances like this. It's not that our circumstances aren't real. It's not that they don't matter. But this is the person who is, who is daring to tell followers of Christ to be thankful in all circumstances. I want to focus on that last verse where he talks about besides all of those things. I, I like Paul has a mini competition against of him in, in his own life experience. As hard as all of those things are, Paul says, none of them compare to the burden and anxiety about the churches. Paul must have faced some really difficult church situations to think that that was worse than being shipwrecked three times. And this year has been a challenge for church leaders, you know that. We've talked about it a million times. You're probably as sick of hearing about it as I am of saying it. But I've never, just when I think, and I know our elders and other pastors can testify to this, just when I think the burden of whatever we're facing is going to be lighter, like something else happens. Another phone call, another situation of someone within our body another person within and connected to our church body passes away. It wears on us. That word burden means pressure. Cabaling against. Almost as if we were fighting an enemy that's a spiritual enemy that is conspiring against the church. That's conspiring against us as the body of Christ that's conspiring against church leaders. And we do have that enemy. We talked about him several weeks ago. So how do we do this? How do we be thankful in the midst of all of these circumstances? Well, the verses that I thought of were Philippians 4. 10 to 13. And again, like this is the benefit of, of having this app. So you can keep all this in order. Listen to what Paul says here in Philippians 4. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you've always been concerned about me, for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I love that Paul says in that text, not that I was ever in need. I'm wondering if Paul read his own work. Because the text that we read a moment ago in 2 Corinthians sure talks about a guy who's in need, doesn't he? Like, what a ridiculous statement for Paul to make. I've never been in need. But see, Paul has an attitude of thankfulness. 
Paul has an attitude of gratefulness in his life. So Paul can, Paul can make that list to the church at Corinth. Talk about all of those hardships and situations and circumstances and realities. And Paul can look them in the eye because he has an attitude and an orientation of thankfulness and gratefulness. And he can say, I was never in need. Even when I'm adrift in the ocean in the middle of the night, I wasn't in need. I wonder if we hear how counter this is to our own culture. How counter this is to our own lives. Over the last several weeks, we've gone into this, into this Christmas season, right? And haven't we been told time and time and time and time again of what we need? The newest, the best, an update. We're constantly told that we don't have what we need. But Paul is living a life of gratefulness. He's living a life of thankfulness. So he can stare that list in the eyes. He can stare his situations and circumstances in the face. And he can say, I don't need anything. In fact, I've never been in need. He's content. He's learned how to be content, it says. I've talked several times over the past month about Holy Spirit, magic fairy dust. God did not give Paul contentment through Holy Spirit magic fairy dust. It was something he learned how to do. He put effort into learning contentment. Have you ever thought about how you learn things? Some of us learn by hearing, or it's auditory learners. Some of us learn by seeing, that's visual learning. Some of us learn by doing. I think that's what Paul is talking about here. He learned how to be content. He didn't just wake up one morning, oh, I'm con I, I figured it out. No, he faced situation and circumstance. We saw them listed out for us in 2 Corinthians. Imagine Paul being adrift in the ocean. Well, this is God teaching me how to be content. Thanks, God. I guess I haven't learned yet because I'm still not content. I love that Paul says earlier in that 2 Corinthians text, I must be mad. Like this sounds like the talk of a crazy person, doesn't it? But Paul is learning to be content. He actively worked on it. When he faced challenging situations and circumstances, he worked on it. He allowed those situations and circumstances to shape who he was. I hear people all the time talking about how they, they wish they could be more patient. Well, you shouldn't pray about that. Here's a tool. If you wanna be more patient, you should try this next time. Next time you go to the grocery store, pick the longest line. 
If you want to be learned to be patient, you have to put yourself in situations where you have to be patient, right? I've been, I've been running outside for 12 years. I had to learn how to do that. I'm still learning how to do that. I'm still learning to run. We have to put ourselves in situations where we have to learn to be patient. There are times where when I've, I've left the parking lot during the week and there's a train going that way and I have deliberately gone that way to meet the train at Avenue I because you know what? Because I'm not a patient person and I need to learn patience. I can't remember if I, sh- I shared this with someone. I don't remember who it was. But about a month, actually back in October, we were having small group at our house. And one of the people that comes to our small group are John and Terry Walker, our family, John and Terry Walker. And we have a gaslit fireplace in our house and the pilot light was on. And John started telling me how much gas I was wasting by leaving my pilot light on year round. So I turned it off. Well, the very next week, if you remember back in October, it got cold. So I had to turn that pilot light back on. And I remember getting down on my hands and knees because it's underneath. You notice they always put the pilot light in the most inconvenient place in the entire world. I had to get down on my hands and knees and I did all the things. I turned it and I pushed the button and I held it. And you're supposed to hold it for a minute, but who holds it for a minute, right? I'm like, forget this. 30 seconds is surely good enough. I let go of the switch and get what do you think happened? It went out. I can't sit still for a minute. Do you agree with me that there is something fundamentally broken about humanity that we can't sit still for a minute? See, this is working on gratefulness. This is how we work on things is we put ourselves deliberately in situations that are hard and challenging for us. How did Paul do it? He lived on nothing and with everything. He had a full or an empty stomach. He learned the secret. That's a weird word, isn't it? Secret. We think of the word secret far differently than Paul would have thought of it. He's saying the secret or this learning is to initiate So to enter in to figuring this mystery out. Why aren't I content? What is it about me? Like when I'm sitting there raging at the train, right? Have you ever asked yourself, what is it about? What is it about this situation that causes me to rage because a train is going by? This is how we learn. This is what Paul did. He was in these situations. He taught himself that he could do all things through Christ because it's from Christ that his strength comes. Paul did not just grit his teeth, which is what most of us do when we face hardship. He did not just take on the burden for himself, but he leaned into and he trusted in Christ to provide that strength. 
There's only one way you survive one shipwreck, much less four. It's counting on God. It's resting in his strength. It's enduring all of these hardships in the strength that Christ alone provides. See, Paul knows without Christ, he has no strength. He can't do this on his own. And I wonder what it would be like for us to live within the reality that we can't do anything without Christ. I wish I would learn that. And I wish that for you, that you can't do anything without Christ. Here is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18b. Here's the second part of that text. I'm gonna read the first part, then we'll talk about the second. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I wonder, have you ever wondered what God's will is for your life? Has that thought ever crossed your mind? What's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do with my life? And usually we break that question down and we answer it with, well, I think God wants me to work here or go there or marry this person or do this thing. It's really kind of strange because in this text, Paul is telling us that God's will for us who belong to Christ Jesus is to be thankful in all circumstances. No, that's not his only will for us. There are actually many places in scripture where we can read what God's will is for our lives. And they often, actually, if they rarely have anything to do with where you're gonna work, what community you're gonna live in, who you're gonna marry, They're all about character. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This is God's choice. It's his determination. It's his inclination for you. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we really want what God wants? There are plenty of people that say, I wanna do what God wants for my life. Okay, well, we want you to be thankful in all circumstances. How's that for a will? How are you doing on that? Have you woken up every day this year just thankful for what's taking place? I haven't. But I want to because it's what God wants for me. And it doesn't mean that we don't think about those things or don't have concern for those things, or don't act upon those things. What it does mean is we have an attitude of thankfulness. Like, I don't know what, I didn't know what that carrot cake was gonna taste like, or um, sweet potato cake was gonna taste like, I didn't. But I was thankful for it. And then here's the thing, I worked all afternoon on it. Because I wanted it to be good. 
when you wake up and you demonstrate thankfulness for the day, is what you do for the entire day working hard to, to demonstrate your thankfulness? Do you work on it? The cake wasn't going to make itself. And in my own life and in your life, as we think about thankfulness, as we think about gratefulness, it doesn't just happen. It requires effort on our part. And this all requires, this all requires a reorientation for us. I've used that word a lot. But as, as people who are being made into the image of God, we have to reorient our minds. We have to actually allow God to do that for us because we can't reorient our minds. But God is out to reorient us. And sometimes I wonder, have you ever wondered whether or not the circumstances that you were in the midst of are really about you? That's a dangerous question. What if your situation and circumstances aren't about you? Thought of John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. I'm just going to read 1 to 2, and then we'll come back to this in a second. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, I love this question. Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or, because, or his parents' sins? Isn't this just like us? When we see bad things happen to people, we ask the question, oh, I wonder what they did wrong. Or, when bad things happen to you. Have you ever asked the question, I wonder what I did wrong? What did I do to deserve this? I just love Jesus's answer. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. See, this just opens up all sorts of questions for us, what if we adopted this attitude as we face very real hardships in our lives? Things that we think we will never, ever, ever be able to get through. What if we had the attitude? What if we had considered the slightest possibility that the things that were happening to us happened in order for the power of God to be seen in us. That would be a game changer for you. I'm about 10% there. And as I think about the things that, that I, since, since having this reorientation of my own mind in reading these texts, it's been a completely different mindset for me and thinking about the hardships and realities that I face in my life. What if it's not about me? What if it's about God's glory being revealed? Can you see how freeing that is? 
Can you see how hope-filled that is? And what a responsibility that puts on us as believers. To demonstrate a faithful life in the midst of hardship. Do you know how different you would be if you did that? If the answers to, your quest, to the questions you received about your hard life, instead of focusing on the misery that was your life, focused on who God was. Do you know what a witness that would be? That would be different. Because we live in a culture where it's all about our misery. Just look on Facebook. Like we make stuff up to be angry about. Because this, this is our culture. It's all about me and our culture. And I would submit to you that your hardship is not always about you. It may not always even be for you. Sometimes it is. We reap what we sow, right? If there are activities and behaviors that I do, I'm going to pay the consequence for that. You're going to pay the consequence for that. But not everything we endure is for us or about us. And I know, like, some of you have heard this sermon before. There's a story that's told about Martin Luther. Whenever he would go to, when he would show up at church on Sunday, people would always ask him, why do you always tell us the gospel every single week? When are you going to stop? And Martin Luther's answer paraphrased was, well, I tell you every week because you look like you don't believe it. Some of us need to dramatically reorient our lives and dramatically reorient our mindsets about the hardships that we face. And I love you and your life is not gonna change until you do. There is absolutely nothing going to take place at 12.01 a.m. January 1st, 2021 in the universe that's going to fix your life. That's gonna like, there's not gonna, God's not there with a reset button waiting to hit it on January 1st. I love you. The thing that's gonna reorient your life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to fix your life. Let's talk about 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7. I'm already here on the screen. And again, this is the part I'm sure you've heard before. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. Think about that for a moment. When you're facing hardship, who do you turn to for comfort? Where do you turn for comfort? Alcohol, porn, the affirmation of other people. Do you look at your bank account? He comforts us. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. 
When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We're confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. What if your suffering is not about you? What if your suffering is so that you can come alongside someone else in the midst of their suffering and talk about Jesus with them? Hey, you know what? When I went through that exact same thing, I was comforted. Where'd you find comfort? Jesus, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you how he did that. Like I still suffered. I still went through it. This hardship didn't magically disappear, but I experienced something. I experienced God's comfort. Do you know how radically different that would be for our culture? That requires us to talk about where we find our comfort as Christians. The thing that we're all nervous about, right? I'm gonna have to share my faith with someone. Someone's gonna ask me what happened to the dinosaurs and I'm afraid. I don't know how to answer that question. See, this is such an opportunity for us. And if you're undergoing hardship right now, I want to challenge you and encourage you to not mourn like those who mourn, like people who don't have any hope. And I want to challenge and encourage you to point to Christ who gives you comfort in the midst of this. Because if you respond the same way that people who don't have Christ respond, what's the difference? What's the difference? Why would anyone become a Christian? If you're going through the same hardships, the same way that other people are, why would anyone want to become a follower of Christ? And again, like, I know I sound like I maybe got this nailed. I'm at about 10%. But this has been such a mind shift for me to think about my suffering when Paul made that list in, in 2 Corinthians, you know, he wasn't, that wasn't a complaint. It wasn't a meme. Hey, look at all the bad things that happened to me in my life. Ever since I became a Christian, here's all the terrible things that happened to me in my life. Oh man, I can't wait till next year when this is all gonna be over. No, he, he says those things and he points to Christ in the midst of them without fear and without shame, because he has a hope. He knows something about hope. He knows something about reorientation. Let's take a look at one more verse. This is 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God. So here's, here's a reality all of the people who are hurting just as much as we are in the midst of life. They haven't seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. See, if we want people 
If we want people to see God in our lives, in us and through us, we are called to love one another. And the number one way we do that is by telling them about Jesus, by testifying of the good things that God has done for us in the midst of, of times where hope seems lost. And right, we're living in it. We have an opportunity as Christians to demonstrate what this thankfulness looks like, to be thankful in, our, in all situations because this is God's will for us who are in Christ Jesus. This is God's desire. This is his will. This is his orientation. This is his command for you. And this is what people need to see in us is people whose lives have actually been affected by the gospel. Beyond, I go to church on Sunday morning. Beyond, I'm doing this Bible reading plan. They need to see lives change and lives affected. I saw this quote earlier this week from a pastor by the name of Philip Nation, and I'm gonna close with it, and then we're gonna pray. The quote is this, Christian, it's actually, it's actually in your notes for the day. Christian, you are a living conduit through which the Holy Spirit extends the compassion and mercy of God to sinful and hurting people. Let it be your joy that God works in you and through you for his glory and others is good. What if you took your hardship and you turned it into a joy? And you saw that God was working through it, that he could work through it, that he wants to work through it. This requires a reorientation of your mind to get out of yourself and have a lifestyle of gratefulness, a life of thanksgiving a mindset of thanksgiving. And I pray that you will find that. That you will, frankly, endure hardship upon hardship until you recognize that God is doing something with you. And it might not be about you. How many lives have been changed by people when you have faced hardship for someone else to come up to you and say, you know, I was facing that same kind of thing and I turned to God and this, 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 and this happened. This is our challenge and this is our opportunity as Christians to live a life of thankfulness, to be thankful in all things, to be grateful in all things. And it's not a suggestion, it's God's will. It's his desire, it's his command for you. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to dive into the text and learn from you. I pray that as we face hardships, God, that we would get beyond ourselves that we would see that your desire for us is to be thankful 
And that's an opportunity for others to grow in their relationship and in their walk with you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you have done. Thank you for every circumstance, good and bad. Thank you for being for us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.